It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. Kalani Sataki and BYU take their undefeated record to Logan for a showdown against the Aggies. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch all the play-by-play action beginning with a Cougar preview show. Friday at 6 on 97.5 FM with the post-game show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5. Mike, obviously Dwayne Wade's here. Kind of what does that mean for you guys to have someone like that just hanging around training camp? Um, I think it's cool to just have his presence, uh, a guy with his stature and all the things he's accomplished, all the knowledge he has. Um, they can kind of relate to all the guys, see him around is, is, is real cool. And we all, we all have that resource. And um, yeah, so that's going to really help us out throughout the training camp process and all the preseason and for the rest of the year. When you, you know, a lot of, a lot of people mention Jared and kind of bringing him along a little bit. What can you, you know, impart to, to kind of, to kind of bring him along and just kind of get him ready for, you know, if he has to play five, six, seven or 10 minutes in a, in a game or whatever. Um, you know, just be picking points and, you know, throughout practices um, to teach, uh, whether it's off to the side, uh, even during live action, sometimes you can kind of help them through different situations while I'm on defense or, I'm on offense and the play isn't for me. I'm just trying to walk him through what I'm thinking. Um, you know, he picks up on stuff pretty quickly. So uh, you know, just, just constantly trying to make sure that he's aware uh, and continues to just have that, that urgency that, he, that he's been playing with. Um, you know, hopefully when he gets his opportunities, he'll be, he'll be ready to go. Mike, what are your memories from your rookie season? Like, what stands out if you think back to that year? 25 years ago. It yeah, was a, it was a long time ago. <laughs> um, I remember uh, it wasn't anything like I expected the league to be. You know, you go from winning all these games in college all the time in high school and get to the league, and I think we won like 20 games or something like that. You know, so we were losing a lot. Uh, so that whole process was hard to adjust to. I remember the game being really fast. Everybody was bigger and stronger and, you know, just as athletic. And so immediately I had to, like, learn how to be a better player for the NBA game. And uh, luckily I had a lot of good vets, you know, a lot a lot of great vets in front of me that, you know, Damon Sotomayor, Mike Miller, uh, Pau Gasol, everybody that, you know, really took me under their wing and, you know, just helped the process be a little bit easier. What were some of the things that you learned from those guys? Uh, one, I think, was was work ethic. You know, I, I remember uh, Mike Miller used to get to the gym, you know, two, three hours before everybody and be done with all his work, shooting, you know, his ice on his knees. And, you know, we're just walking in for practice. And um, that was, you know, somebody I was like, hey, I want to I be like that. You know, I want to get my work in. I want to be professional, you know, manage my time. You know, as a 19-year-old, there's a lot in the world is all of a sudden it's wide open for you how you process that and how you manage it is huge, a huge part of your transition to the league. In fact, obviously it's the first practice training camp 
does it feel a little bit different adding, you know, three prominent players, you know, with Rudy, Hassan, Eric, and obviously Derek coming in, combining all you veterans? Is it maybe a little different feel than usual as far as, like, everyone kind of understands the role in their job? Uh, yeah. Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big show, uh, jazz availability continues on. Let's join in progress. Mike Conley was just asked about being a veteran on the team. Just skip all that and just go straight to, you know, live action or, you know, working on different things that that, that can kind of expedite, you know, our, our situations as a team. Um, so having that kind of group is, is huge. What was it like doing live action with everyone? Is it just, you know, nice to be back out here with the full team playing again, knowing it's you got a whole season upcoming? Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. A lot of us uh, haven't played too much ball, but being around, uh, being around guys, getting being competitive, showing emotion, just feeling that that uh, competitive juice again um, gets us all going and ready for tomorrow. Hassan mentioned yesterday that uh, actually meeting Quinn in person was like not what he expected Quinn to be like. He was expecting, you know, this fire breathing, you know, laser staring dude. What was, uh, do you recall kind of what your first interaction was like and, and you guys like kind of, do new guys when they come in kind of like wind up being surprised at what Quinn is really like? Um, yeah, I think all of us were a little surprised, but you know, Hassan really hasn't seen coach yet you know he's uh he's just now meeting but uh you know he's a great dude off the court uh when he gets competitive you know coach is coach you know he's he's uh he's animated he's he's got a lot of a lot of energy um and he was you know he was like that when i played against played against him and i expected to that to carry over to everything he did but you know off the court he's very much a, a player's coach just wants to you know talk you know just do whatever he can. Just be around the guys, and, and uh, everybody enjoys it. All right, we have time for one on Zoom. It's going to come from Ben Anderson. Mike, I assume in 14 years you've been through some productive and less productive training camps. What's the difference? What's a good training camp like, and what's a bad training camp like? Well, a good training camp normally consists of just you have good players, a good team, you know, it's, that's about as straightforward as you get, but, um, and vice versa, you know, bad training camps, you're not very good and you're not very disciplined. And, um, and, you know, I feel like we have a, a very good, good opportunity here, a good team, good, good, uh, good foundation. Uh, so like I said before, we, we can kind of skip over, you know, steps one, two, and three in our, in, in our training camp and, 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 go immediately to to working on basically where we pick, you know pick up where we left off in the playoffs and it's continually trying to build and that's our advantage right now is is we have that kind of atmosphere around here and the kind of depth and uh you know the kind of guys who can pick up on it Mike Conley from Vegas, Jazz availability. We're not sure if Coach is going to speak or if there are any other players. We'll we'll stand by. Apparently, Donovan Mitchell is likely. So uh, nobody wants to hear Donovan. We'll hang on until we get to hear from Gordon's guy, Donovan Mitch. Yeah, he uh, 
he'll he'll have something to say, I'm sure. What do you think about <laughs> what's the difference between a good training camp and a bad training camp, Mike? Uh, well, uh, if you have a good team, it's a good training camp. Well, the Jazz have a good team. I think they've got a pretty good vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think Rudy and Donovan were put into uh, Donovan more so than Rudy, but I think both fall into this category. Put into leadership positions pretty early in their career, where they had to figure out what kind of culture to establish with the team and what they liked and disliked. And um, I, I thought one of the major storylines, Mike Conley's first year, and I think this was more of a challenge for him, and he's kind of alluded to that later on, was Mike had to come fit in with Donovan and Rudy. It yeah. wasn't Donovan and Rudy who had to fit in with Mike, who who had that his entire career, right? And so it's an interesting dynamic. But, you know, going through those things, I would guess that Donovan and Rudy internally within the team have – the expectations and dynamic and culture and those things pretty rock solid. And that's why training camp in Vegas probably isn't such a big deal. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that fitting together thing is really, really important. I was thinking about that as I'm continuing to read about Ben Simmons and his situation with Joel Embiid. You know, they can't coexist, apparently. And we've seen incidences like this before. And it's like, yeah, it doesn't just happen because you get a couple of good basketball players together or three or four or four or five. You've got to find a way to shape them together so that it works. And and that's the, a process that Mike went through. And he's about as conscientious as guy you're going to find. And he still had to sort of mold himself to what was necessary here. I, You know, Jake, one other thing. I really think last year the Jazz learned a lot. I, I think that was a kind of a – they've been to the playoffs a bunch of times now since Donovan got to Utah. And, uh, you know, every year I think they've learned a little more. And maybe with the additions of these certain players, uh, the, the the leaders of the team can really put themselves in positions where they can better help their team win games. And that sort of – what I think might have been the benefit of the disappointment at the end of last season, along with the uh, advanced success of the regular season. So I I certainly agree with that point. And I think that the way they matched up against the Clippers had an effect in the playoffs, and, and I'm not disagreeing with any of that. But partly, too, is how much better did Donovan and Rudy get? I'm not sure how much better Mike Conley's going to get at this point in his career, but the three of those guys are are really the ones responsible for taking the Jazz as far as they can go. And last year, that was complicated by the fact that Mike Conley wasn't there for a chunk of those games, mm-hmm. and certainly wasn't right during the playoffs at all. I, I think that's fairly inaugurable. Inarguable. Very good. And uh, Donovan, Donovan still put up numbers. I mean, everybody made a big deal about Donovan being injured, which was a thing, certainly. But, I mean, he still produced. They just, we talked about it at the time, Gordon, you, you take an all-star off somebody's roster and they're not going to be as good. What a shock. I mean, he had to play differently. He had to play more more horizontally than and, vertically. And Joe Ingles had to change his game because Mike isn't there and he's the backup point guard in a sense and everything gets shorter from there and then all of a sudden guys like Mia Ione are playing in playoff games. I mean, you know, the effects, the, the down roster effects from not having one of those three guys is, is devastating. And they limped into the playoffs. Yeah. And so, honestly, you know, the Jazz are going to go as far as Rudy, Donovan, and Mike Conley are going to take them. Those are the those are the three best players on the team. Those are the three highest paid players on the team. Those are the three with the responsibility to take them where they're going to go. 
And that's probably why we've heard so much about, you know, injury prevention and those sorts of things so far, because those guys are the ones you got to keep healthy. I've talked to enough people in leadership positions with the Jazz to absolutely be certain that the health situation was of grave concern for them. And they feel as though it might have been different had they been healthy. Which I, I buy into. No, sorry, I didn't mean to step no, on no, you there. Apologies. I, I, because that was the story. That was the reason. But the hard part is, who was it that said it yesterday during media day? Was it Coach Snyder? Where some of it is just freak circumstance. Like, what? I think he what he made it kind of a joke where he said, what do you want me to do? Tell Donovan Mitchell not, not to jump? To jump. <laughs> you know? So so the organization and the training staff and, and uh, you know, Donovan's personal training staff and all that and, and the folks that you and I both know who work behind the scenes in injury prevention in that world mm-hmm. can do the absolute perfect job. But if somebody lands on a foot or somebody takes off wrong or somebody, you know, we've, how many injuries have we seen that are just totally bizarre from, you know, somebody like Dante Exum alone, where it seemed like he was just getting hurt in these weird, bizarre ways that you never would have predicted. And that's, I mean, that's ultimately the, the hardest part of the whole thing is you can do everything right and circumstance can still put you behind the eight ball. Two of the best teams I ever saw play, Jake, were the, the 85-86 Celtics and then the Showtime Lakers. What if if Larry Bird uh, severely sprains an ankle? What are you going to do? Yeah. What are they, same thing. Magic Johnson gets hurt. What's Showtime going to look like? Well, we we saw both in both those cases. Larry's back gave out on yeah, him, right. and the Celtics were never the same. And Magic's career was cut short by um, HIV. Yeah. And that was the end of the Showtime Lakers too. It's, I mean, we we saw it. Yeah. So. So it's a very real thing. And some people think, ah, oh, you're making excuses. No, no, it's it's uh, absolutely real. So you've got to be good and lucky. And if I agree with what you said, Jake. That medical staff has to just do that. What do they call that? That group of wellness or something? What is it they call? Anyway, I don't know. You gotta, you got to do everything you can to keep them healthy. And then... Then if something unlucky happens, then you, you deal with it. Donovan's sitting down, down in Vegas. Let's go to it. You guys, or even when you guys are planning into the teams, players will bring up the fact that Joe is such a uh, immaculate trash talker. <laughs> and he hates talking about it. Like, reporters will ask him about it. He doesn't, he's done talking about it. It's like everyone talks trash. Right. What is it about him that people keep bringing up? Ah, uh, it's a good question. I mean, I don't think you'd expect it to come from him. He, I, when I first got here, you know, I was like, I'm going to go at Joe. He let me know off the bat it wasn't going to be that easy. You know, and I think that's where it's like the initial hesitation. And then on top of that, now he's shooting 40% for three. <laughs> now he's picking you apart in the pick and roll and letting you know what he's doing. Then on top of that, he's guarding on the other end of the floor. So he's like, you're like, damn, let's do it again. I'm like, damn. Now you're like, all right, bro, I get it. Shut up. And he doesn't shut up. You know what I mean? So I think that's what plays into, you know, how, how good he is, man. And obviously we all know he's a, a great shooter and whatnot, but, you know, it's the little things. Like if your hands on your knees, he's knocking your arm off, like that little stuff. He doesn't even practice all the time. So it's like, it's like, all right, bro, I get it. You know what I mean? But it's like, that's what we need. You know, that's why we, we, we love it. We love that he does that because it, it gives us, you know, an extra spark, an extra lift. We played a game last year. He won't acknowledge the story, so I'm going to say it. Uh, we were down. I forgot who it was. And somebody said something to him, and he just 
said something. Then I woke up and I was like, all right, cool. And then we ended up winning the game. Um, you know, I mean, that, that for me was like, okay, like that's what he does. Like he just, that energy he creates for everybody. Was that the uh, Sacramento game? He won that game, right? Yeah, you guys yeah, were in, down. Yeah, yeah. I don't know who it was, but somebody says for Joe to react. Like I that. think it was. Uh, I, rem I remember because it was a game that you guys were like really, really tired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 But um, yeah, but like that's that type of stuff where he's just like you know, it's, it gives us a boost, it gives us a lift. You know, I think you know it's like a Draymond effect for Golden State. You know, it gives them, it uplifts them in, in a good way. So it's like the fact that he. He doesn't shut up, but also get back up. Exactly. Exactly. What was the funniest moment from team dinner last night? If you if you feel comfortable sharing. Um. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm not gonna share that. <laughs> I'm the fastest. Yeah. Well, you know, first day of training camp. Obviously, you talked to Mike earlier. He talked about how the vets are in. You know, the new guys allowed you guys to speed things up a little bit, kind of really start playing 505. What was the competition like? What was the atmosphere like? I mean, it's the first practice, but it sounded like you guys were getting after a little bit. Yeah, you know, I think we have a great, like, obviously, we had a great group last year. We had most of our guys back, and then you had the, uh, the new guys, you know, Mia's taking a step, Trent's taking a step, uh, Eli, um, Jared, you know, I didn't realize how good he was. You know, I, I mean, obviously, I saw him on TV, but it's different than the NBA, so he's, he's going to be really good. Um, we just, you know, guys have stepped up, you know, Hassan as well. Uh, I think guys have stepped up in a big way. And, you know, I think that's what's, that's what's great is because we've taken that. I see it. You, know, you see the work, you know, and obviously it's the first day. You know, it's easy to say that. But, you know, I, I can tell it's a different mindset, different vibe about the group. And I think we just got to continue to have that throughout the whole season, um, not just start off early or not just start, do it later, do out the full 82 in the playoffs. What advice would you give to Jared Butler? Um, I think the biggest thing is stay patient, stay with it. You know, he's going to, he's, we have an offense that's complicated. We have a defense that's complicated. You know, you have so many things being thrown at him. Um, I remember my rookie year when Ricky Rubio got hurt and I was the point guard and I was told to like, just go. <laughs> and I was like, well, at the end of the day, just run, pick and roll. <laughs> you know, like if you went in doubt, it's better than the turnover. And, and you know, that's, that's your, that's your comfort zone. That's what everybody does, you know, since high school. But the biggest thing is just stay patient, you know, um, because he's going to have a role. He's going to be a part of part of our group. And I think for him, he's he's confident. He, he's confident in himself and his game. And the biggest thing is just learning the stuff. But it's not going to be – you're not going to learn it overnight. You know what I mean? I think that's – I can tell you the kid that's going to want to be perfect every practice. It's not always going to be that way because, you know, I wasn't, you know, still not. You know, I think that's that's the biggest thing is to stay patient on both ends because he's going to be really, he's going to be really good for us. What's the experience like of having court set up in a hotel hall just like kind of the, the weirdness of it. Uh, it's easy now because we have the bubble. You know, I think for me, this is, I, this is I, they, they did an amazing job. The guy was setting up Albert. You know, he's, I've actually known Albert since high school. Um, he, he kind of set up Adidas Nations. I don't know if you all know what that is back in the day. Uh, back in the day. But um, now this is, I like this. It's, it's cool to kind of, you know, get away for a little bit and then come back. And it also builds camaraderie, you know, being here, you know, you're going up to your hotel room, going to eat. You know, we'll lose a little money here and there. You know, uh, I think it, it builds that. You know, it's a vibe and it, it's fun. All right, we're gonna move to the gym real quick. Uh, Andy Larson. Yeah, Donovan. The the NBA said essentially that you know they're changing the offensive foul rules so that you you can't really jump into guys as much or you know the arm bars and they actually used a couple of your plays as examples of one of what to do and one of what not to do. So I don't know if you've seen that video, but I'm just kind of curious of 
what your thought is on kind of those rules, emphasis changes, and how you might have to adapt your game next season. Um, I actually haven't seen it. Um, I've heard about it. I think uh, when I do see it, you know, obviously I'll have to adapt. I really don't – I don't have an, an answer for that yet because I haven't seen it, so I can't really speak on which ones you're talking about. But I think, you know, when I do look, I'll adapt it just to the nature of the game. You know, there's been – a lot of rule changes since I've been to the league, but a lot of rule changes since the NBA started. So for me, it's just guys have learned to adapt, guys have gotten creative, and that's why we, that's why we are, why we are who we are. We got to find ways to create and adapt to the rules at hand. You guys listening to the album? Man, that kid's talented. That kid is talented. He's not even a kid because we're the same age, but. Uh, <laughs> um, like, you know, he's he's really good. You know, I I think the first the first song for me is good. I think it's another song called Two Sides. Like he has he has a talent, you know, and for him to it's impressive because he's able to do that and then still be out there working on this game. But you know, he, he can he can really rap, he can, he can put some lines together. You know, we've I've listened to it in the car, I've played it for friends and I told him it was me. Just lied about it, you know what I mean? That kid is a new up and coming rapper, but no, he's he's good. He's good. Appreciate it, guys. Hey. There's Donovan Mitchell as we bring you jazz media availability heard from Joe Ingles, Mike Conley, and there you go. Donovan will get Gordon's thoughts on what uh, we just heard there. But joining us now in studio, our friend Mike from Any Hour Services. And we love it, Mike, because you come in here and, and you know, you want to earn the business of our listeners. and You do a sure. great job doing that. But I love it that you you give tips and little helpful things that we can all do. Yeah. I mean, there's always, you know, lots of things that we can do ourselves. We, we actually go to the extent of actually filming videos and things that we put on our YouTube channel. And I'm going to give you a few things that you can do here, but if you go and just look up any hour services, Twitter account, and I actually tweeted out a link to a video that goes a little bit more in depth, showing you how to do these things. So um, a couple of things that's good idea to do this time of year, go to wherever your thermostat is and change it to the auto setting. Because if you leave it in the cool setting that you had it on in the summer, when it starts to get cold, your furnace isn't going to like get the the message, you, you know, to, to, turn on. So go and do that. And then wherever your furnace is, like at my house, it's down in the basement in an equipment room, but we always call it the storage room because it just gets piled up with a bunch of stuff. So you want to make sure you don't have a bunch of stuff piling up around the furnace because in order for your furnace to burn the gas properly, it's got to be able to pull air in around it. Um, There also in the furnace, there should be like a big pipe, like eight, nine, ten inches big that's going to be bringing in combustion air. And sometimes what will happen in the winter is people will shove a blanket or a pillow up there to kind of stop that draft, but your furnace needs that air to to work properly. So make sure that that's clear, and then you know change your filter if you haven't in a while. Make sure the vents around the house are open. Airflow is the number one most important thing when it comes to your furnace operating properly. That's it. That's the one. That's the one. Why is that? Um, well, if you think about it, we still heat our homes by pumping gas into a metal cabinet and lighting it on fire, and that furnace creates all of the heat that your house needs to stay warm, but the only way that it can deliver that heat out to the house is through airflow. It's got to be able to bring cold air back, transfer the heat, and then push that warm air out to the house, and anything that gets in the way of 
that airflow is going to cause more stress on the thing. And it also, especially with your furnace, it increases the likelihood of the thing overheating and tripping something called a high limit switch, which just is there to determine, is this thing able to move the heat or is it getting too hot? And it'll shut the thing down as a safety precaution and leave the fan blowing to try and cool off the heat exchanger. Uh, anyway, it's just, it's a big thing. Airflow, you got to make sure that you are not impeding that as much as possible. And right. we're talking, oh, sorry, go ahead, Gordon. Is uh, your furnace perfect? Is my furnace perfect? Mm-hmm. My furnace is about 14 years old, and um, it is not perfect, but it it doesn't show any signs of dying right now. Because you have it regularly serviced. Yeah, good right? maintenance. Well, yeah, I maintain it, but then I also, anytime I need to make a furnace video, I'm doing I'm doing it on mine. So I'm like, hey, you want to know how to change your heat, uh, your uh, flame sensor? And I show them on mine. So like, I'm always in mine, like cleaning it and doing all kinds of more maintenance than the average person would do. But I do that to document it so that I can actually show other people, like, hey, if you feel comfortable picking up a wrench or opening the doors on the furnace, Here's some simple things that you can do yourself, but especially if you're not comfortable, I definitely recommend that you stay on top of the professional maintenance and have somebody come out and take a look at it. And that's why today's deal is so great, because your tune-up inspects it all. 100%. Yeah, we go through all of the vital components and check all the things that manufacturers say. We make sure it's running safely, efficiently. We actually do something called uh, a heating ability test, where we simulate how the thing is going to act on a really cold night to make sure that the parts aren't going to, that they're not getting too old, that they're going to hold and be able to heat the house. Normally, we charge $99 to go through and do that. We document everything that we find and answer all your questions. And we include a no-breakdown guarantee, which means that if the thing breaks down at any time this winter, all you got to do is call us up. We'll come out there for free, figure out why, and we'll give you the money back for the tune-up. But tonight, you're not going to have to pay $99. All you got to do is call, pick a date that works best for you, and you're going to lock in a $70 savings and be able to get your furnace tuned up for only $29. What a deal. All right, call any hour services right now. Get on it. Save 70 bucks on a comprehensive furnace tune-up with, uh, with their no-breakdown guarantee. $99 value, only 29 bucks. but you've got to call during the show. Pick up the phone, 801-443-7400, 801-443-7400. You can also go online, anyhourservices.com. Mike, thank you much. You're welcome. More Big Show next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Your home for the best college football Obviously coverage in Utah. This is your Cougars at 30 update on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Cougars at 30 update. Here is Gabe Summers. He discussed whether Utah State is a rivalry game for the uh, for the Cougs. I do consider them a rival, but I think more than anything, Utah State is just another team to play. I feel like uh, oftentimes there's people who really dislike us and to us, they're just another team. And I feel like Utah State is a, is a good example of that. Of course, we're going to come out and, and come play to win, but I feel like to us, it's just a game. We're just ready to play another game. This update brought to you by Football Friday, which is presented by Stonehaven at Stonehaven Dental. They say yes, yes to free exam and x-rays for new patients and flexible appointments. Say yes to great dental care. Visit StonehavenDental.com to schedule an appointment today. College 
football coverage in Utah is right here on the Zone Sports Network. We don't quit. Let's go. The Zone is giving away tickets to every Utah, BYU, Utah State, and Weber State home game all season long. Listen for your chance to win tickets to see the teams you're passionate about right here on the Zone Sports Network. You're listening to The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. out to Tyler, and this is Brandon Flowers of the Killers. What's the name of this song, Austin? Welcome to fabulous Las Vegas. Okay, today's theme on a Total Request Tuesday, Vegas songs. Vegas bands, are there any, what bands came from Vegas? I'm sure there's Yeah, we're bands that uh, that uh, are on a residency in Vegas, yeah. I still say that's got to be the sweetest gig in the music business, right? The residency in Vegas, where you're just making dough hand over fist, you don't have to go anywhere. Play in uh, the same nice auditorium to a sold-out crowd every single night. So who's done that? Elton John did that. Celine Dion. Who else? Oh, Britney's done it. There's been a lot of them. Kiss. Yeah. Elvis. I mean, the the, everybody. Who's anybody? There's there's been a lot of of bands. Now the the first I think Phil Collins did it recently. uh, Celine didn't. Celine Dion at Caesars was kind of one of the first major ones. Obviously, going back to the Rat Pack days and that sort of thing, they were probably the first, but. I mean, Caesars built Elvis that. Elvis was the first, wasn't he? Caesars built that first, uh, or built that uh, that uh, what uh, the concert auditorium specifically for Celine Dion, I believe. But the Rat Pack would have been before Elvis. Yeah, would they? That was the so. that was the mob's whole plan. If they got the the celebrities <laughs> to perform at their casinos, it would give it legitimacy and and be an attraction for uh, gamblers. Who would Bugsy Siegel have uh, at his uh, at his place? The first. Which place? one? The flamingo, yeah. The flamingo. Or he also he also built the El Cortez, which is oh, maybe my favorite. Is it still there? Casino, yeah. The El Cortez, it's mm-hmm. there in downtown on Fremont Street. It's like the last casino on Fremont Street. Oh wow, Guns and Roses had one. Def Leppard, the how, crew. Well, oh yeah, well, the like, crew was down wait, there for a while. How long were they there? I mean, because like Celine was there for years. Years. Mm-hmm. Donnie Marie. Uh, this is a, a, a slideshow from MSN.com, the greatest Vegas residencies ever. Oh, who's on that list? Uh, well, I, Mar- Mariah Carey, Guns N' Roses, Motley Crue. See, the Def other Leopard. thing is, I'm sure these casinos are not putting you up in their like double queen room either. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, you get a palatial suite. Yeah, yeah, and just stay there for months on end. You mentioned Elton John, Faith Hill, and Tim McGraw. Some of those folks, I imagine, jet Meat in loaf. and jet out. Meatloaf. He might have been in the double queen That's smoking your, section. You're not flying in and out if you're staying there doing a show every day, every Who's night. Taylor Hicks? I, I've heard of Taylor. Oh, he won the second season of American Idol, yeah. and no one knows who he is. Wasn't that Archie? Donnie Lennon? and Marie? Yeah, yeah. They've been down there forever. Aren't they at the Flamingo, if I'm not mistaken? Share. I thought they were closing that down. The whole Flamingo? No. <laughs> I thought Donnie Marie were ending that run. They might have. Did they? 
I saw Donnie Murray. And you can't remember if they were at the Flamingo or not? I don't know where we were. I've been to a lot of places down there, and I can't, you know, I don't remember. Prince had a residency. Yeah. Right. Seen a lot down there. I usually could tell you what casino I saw it at. It's all blur, man. Is it? Yeah, one time I went there. One helicopter pad is another yeah, helicopter pad. <laughs> I went there with my wife, and we saw like seven shows in five nights or something. Honk. No. Uh, what do you mean, honk? There's nothing. Well, it was pretty good. But, you know, it was just. Seven shows in five nights? And you're probably yeah. shelling out 500 bucks a ticket for, you know, front row Joe. That's where the honk came from. God grief! We had uh, the best seats. That's thirty-five ever had. grand. The best yeah. seats I ever had was uh, <laughs> the, the the stage had cutouts uh, in it, and the, there were seats there. And I I didn't know how we got those tickets, but uh, we were sitting right in right. So I was looking straight up at the musician. Uh, are those the tickets you begged off Dick, Dick Harmon on his birthday? No, no. <laughs> I love that story. <laughs> That's the face that Joe Ingles gave when someone was asking her about trash talking. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you can, have, you can have some fun in Vegas. Why not? I mean, I imagine the jazz players, well, they're only there for a couple of days, right? Yeah. In, in fact, we are kind of treading water here waiting for Coach Snyder, who could be available at any moment. In fact, what, let's... Let's stay with the clock here. Let's uh, let's step aside for a break. Hopefully, we'll have Coach Snyder coming up on the other side. Stay tuned. It's the Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now, let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. The head coach at BYU, Kalani Sataki. I got to tell you, Coach, if I would have had these built bars when we were at BYU, I would have got better grades. You know, Hans, whenever I hear the word hangry, I think the definition of it should be your picture. Because when you were in college and you were hungry, you were probably the worst guy to hang out with. And we just knew that to throw you something to eat and you would be in a better mood. Imagine if you would have just had all these protein bars available to you. You would never have a day of being angry at all. You had a great grades and you had had a great experience overall because we know one thing. When Hans is hungry, watch out. Everybody tread lightly. I'm hungry! Hans and Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Oh, hey guys. Jake here from my friends at Peach Window and Door. They are a locally owned and operated company. They are passionate Utah jazz fans. They are Zone Sports listeners. And listen, Cindy and her whole group are wonderful. We've been down to their showroom. We've met uh, her operation, and they are great. They are here. They are local. They've been Utah's premier window and door retailer uh, since 1993. They combine beauty and technology. Custom work is what they do. If you can dream it, they can do it. They are a turnkey window and door company, meaning no high-pressure sales. Again, they don't want to pressure you into something you don't want. They want to get you what you want. No subcontractors, no ghosting. They'll sell you your windows and doors. The crews install them, and they back it up uh, with guarantees designed to bring peace of mind to satisfied customers. They are wonderful. They offer 0% interest financing. They have free in-home estimates as well. So, a few ways to get the ball rolling. 
go to peachbuildingproducts.com, find out why they have so many five-star reviews on Google. Go to their beautiful showroom, like I said, 2940 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Find out what they're capable of for yourself, or call and schedule one of those free in-home estimates, 801-566-1255. That's 801-566-1255, Peach Window and Door. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's go back to Vegas. Jazz media availability continues on. Let's hear from Coach Quinn Snyder. Uh, <laughs> Let me ask you this. Have you talked to Fave lately? Yeah, I talked to him. Because his, his girls go to the same school. They're here. That my kids go yeah, to, yeah. They're here. Yeah. He said he, he actually, uh, he's, he said he likes it. Like, he didn't like, this is off the record, but he didn't like New Orleans. Yeah, we'll join that in a second there. <laughs> You never know when the official uh, press conference will begin and when it won't. Uh, Austin will go ahead and uh, and uh, keep an ear on that, and we'll throw to it when we're ready. <laughs> well, I was having a good time just we're, eavesdropping. We're ready, apparently. All right, let's go ahead and get back to it. Like, I assume that you don't have to implement as many stuff as, as you would at this time, usually typically at this time of the year. So how do you how do you deal with that, and, and you know, how does that translate to, to – you know, the new guys trying to get the new guys to come along as well. Well, I think there's things that over the course of the year that you can really identify is like, you know, this is good, like unequivocally. Um, and then there's other things that are good in certain situations. Um, and there's other things you need to, you know, to work on. Um, so those adjustments, whether, you know, the playoffs always give you windows into that. Um, analytics give you windows into that. The playoffs are more specific to a situation, but that, you know, that that's the playoffs. So you, you look and figure out how you can adjust and be better. Um, and then I think, you know, for us, when you spend a lot of time going back over the last year, trying to figure out not just what we need to do differently, but what, you know, maybe that we're doing well that, we need to do more of like last year it was, you know, we're shooting the ninth most threes, but we're the best percentage. So what are those things? And I think there's always, um, there's always adjustments that, that may seem, you may not even notice that may seem, you know, maybe just the simple spacing situation that creates um, a lot of different things. And during the year, <clears throat> I don't know if I'm answering this very well, but during the year, you notice those things, but there isn't time to truly implement something at a level that, that, that um, you know, you're rewarded for it because you know, you, it's new, it's not efficient, you're teaching a different habit. So the offseason gives you a chance to really, you know, dig in on those things and, and, and commit to them. And that's true of a veteran team, too, um, in some respects. Um, we use all, we got a, Sanjay Lumpkin, one of the guys on our DAV staff is, I think a scratch call. It, it, to go from four to scratch, you know, is a lot harder than go from, you know, 14 to four. Right. So I, I think the math and the, the, the mindset is still the same, um, but trying to find those incremental gains and also trying to find them with, with players. 
you know, where you're looking at a player and trying to figure out, well, he's efficient here. He's not efficient here. What can he do different? Um, but, but I think the challenge is it's easy to point to something and say, you know, we need to be better there. The question, you know, how, how do you become better there? Um, sometimes that's personnel adjustment. Sometimes it's, you know, a lineup combination. Um, sometimes it's spacing, different play. Um, and that, you know, that's what the summer entails. And, you know, I think you, you, you know, you watch the playoffs, um, you watch regular season games. There's just, you know, you try to collect as much information as you can and then, you know, make those decisions, but it allows you with the veteran team to focus more on those things, you know, because the guys are trained in a certain respect. And that, that's what we found, you know, last year, we, there's certain things in the style, our style of play that still really fit us. And we have to remind ourselves of that and, you know, not take it for granted, but then at the same time, let's try to get better. Coming off that, it seems like having Hassan here with four is dope to learn from. Like the, you've got two like rim running bigs, defensive bigs now. From the outside, that seems good, but it's also like I would think that it would be a nice challenge for him to sell. Like he doesn't want those minutes. Yeah, I may even take it further. I, I think I think it's great for Rudy. You know, to have Hassan, you know, we forget a little bit. Hassan, you know, Hassan was earned and was rewarded with a big contract in Miami. So that, that, that wasn't an accident. And, you know, I, I think um, having someone else, you know, even for Rudy to, to push him. And then obviously, you know, for Dope to, to see those two guys, certainly. Um, but when you have two centers that, and I know, I think Hassan's year last year was really an outlier. Um, but when you look at what he's done over the core, I mean, I think he's in the top 4% in defensive rebounding, like historically every year, like that's, that's hard to do. Um, so the, all those guys, you know, I, I think the same is true of like Mike and Donovan, those guys pushing each other. I, so I, I think it's great for, you know, for Rudy, um, and to, for those guys to kind of, you usually get, you know, a bonding that takes place too. And, uh, I think Son's in a really, really good place. I think it's, I'm really glad he's here. You know, I felt strongly when I talked to him that it would be a really good fit for him. And I, I think he's feeling that even in a short period of time, just the way we play. And, you know, I think there's a way to coach him that, you know, will, will, will help him too. What kind of advice or instruction have you given Jared as he kind of begins this NBA journey? Um, I, I think one of the unique things about Jared is he's played, he, he's, he's won. So he's played with other really good players and he knows what it takes for a team to win. And that, that's, I think, something um, that, that the same is true of like Trent. You know, those, both those guys have been in situations where they've, they've won games in college, you know. And it, it, in, in some respects, you know, when, when, when people look at our team and talk about depth, and there, there aren't a whole lot of opportunities 
you know, if I'm playing Jordan Clarkson 18 minutes instead of 24, like that, we're not using Jordan Clarkson, in my opinion, the right way. Um, same thing with Joe, you know, so you can shave Joe's minutes from, with the, you know, 32 to 26, but at some point those guys are really good and they show that night in and night out. So I think for Jared, part of it, you know, is patience, you know, and, and you, you can, you can be really competitive and hungry and still be patient. And when I say patience, knowing it's a little bit like preparing for when an opportunity presents itself for you to have an impact and understanding that the impact you might have on this team because of the makeup of the team is going to look different, but it can still be really impactful. And, you know, that's when you have things, you know, invariably there's injuries, there's foul trouble, there's all kinds of things. And, you know, so continuing to work and be hungry and not get frustrated if it doesn't come, you know, right away. I mean, we've got, we've got competition at that position. You know, I mean, Trent had a great summer league. Um, those two guys are very different players. You know, when, if we didn't have Mike and Don and JC and Joe, you know, those, those two guys could, could play together. You know, it, Trent's got size. Jared can really shoot the ball. They both have great tempo. So I think for a lot of our younger guys, it's, it's the same thing. Um, but in Jared's case, you know, when you talk to him, he, he's, he's got a very mature outlook. And, you know, I, I think that will serve him well, not just now with this team, but over the course of his, of his career. I think he is very grounded. He knows who he is as a player. Um, and he's very coachable as well. But it's hard to, you know, you're, you're coming into a team that, you know, is, isn't perfect, but, you know, had, had some success last year, you know. So, you know, that, that's part of it. You know, you, you come into a team that isn't as good a team, there's going to be more opportunity. But he's got a chance to, you know, to watch and learn and not just be coached by me, but to be coached by Mike and Donovan and Joe. And, and uh, I think that's a real that's a real advantage, especially over a longer term. Yesterday, we touched a little on the conversation that you had with Rudy Gabe and he mentioned kind of sold him on the organization. Uh, yeah, look, I'm having a hard time hearing you. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Uh, yesterday we touched a little bit on the conversation that you had with Rudy Gay. Ocho. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, Gotta think of a nickname for him. <laughs> right. Yeah. And um, Hassan also mentioned during his session that meeting you like in person for the first time, you were not what he was expecting. What's the what's kind of the, the process like of acclimating to new guys like you to them and them to you when they come in, you know, when they join the organization. Well, what, what was he expecting? <laughs> he, he said he thought that uh, you were going to be like this super, I think the word he used was angry. He's You're, the kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's social media for you, right? You can make anything. Um, I, I think, you know, one of the things about particularly you know, guys that have been in the league is you have a chance to watch them over a period of time. They, they may not know you're watching them. And clearly I didn't know that he was watching me be angry. Um, the, um, 
So you get a feel for a player. Um, and I think, you know, players are different. And, you know, Hassan is a rookie versus Hassan now and his, you know, experience in his career. And part of it, in my mind, it's my job to try to figure out, you know, how to help him, you know, how to help him be better. And I think a big part of that is how to help him, you know, feel comfortable and, and fit in and be connected. And if they can feel that, like, you know, it has to be real, you know, it's not like a, if you're selling something you don't believe in, you know, that that's disingenuous. And in, in both those situations, like I know the con, I really felt strongly that the situation we had for Hassan, regardless of minutes or all that is just a really, really good one that he could thrive in. And the same thing in Rudy's case. Um, so that those, those conversations, I guess the best way I could describe them was, you know, I talked to Rudy for a while. Um, talked to him a couple times. Um, and it just was very authentic. We talked a lot of basketball. Um, but usually when you're talking about basketball, it's kind of a platform for a lot of other things. So, you know, hopefully they get a, the, the thing that jumped out to me with Rudy was, you know, there's a, there's a joy, you know, playing the game that you, you often have a lot of when you're younger. And as you get older, you know, you, you, you remember that and you kind of crave that. And I think for him, he'll be at his best when he's having fun. Cause I, I don't think there's, you know, my, my, even today, you know, my dialogue, coaching, whatever you want to call it, is just much more interactive. I, I want to know what he thinks. And I think Rudy's a guy, you know, in this short time as I've, been around him. I think it's important for him to understand why you want him to do something because he's really intelligent. And if he can, can explain why, you know, even if it's something that he's not crazy about doing, you know, he wants to win. And I, and I think that, you know, that's overriding. So it's the best thing about this job is when you get to coach guys that, you know, that you really enjoy being around. We'll go with that Ben Anderson first. Quinn, I think piggybacking off that a little bit, because they've been in the league for a decade, both Rudy Gay and uh, and Hassan seem to have pretty well-developed personalities. Is it difficult to incorporate new personalities into a locker room? Is that something you have to be hands-on with, or is that something that when you've been in the league for a decade, you you know how to do? Um, I think it, there's a lot of variables, I, th I think. I think both their personalities you know, add a lot to our team. You know, I think Rudy's maturity and experience, he's got a voice. I think he's, he's here longer. Um, you know, I can see leadership ability, you know, from that because of his experience, because of his, you know, unselfishness. You know, I think Hassan, you know, there's a levity. Hassan's got a great sense of humor. Not that Rudy doesn't. Um, but th those are things that I think, you know, the more you embrace you know, that, you know, different people bring different things, the more they add. And Jordan's a great example, you know, that, you know, everybody's different. And I think we're lucky that you want guys to be authentic. You, you, you don't want them to try to, you know, be something in order to fit in. You know, the hope is that who they are will fit in. And, 
sometimes that requires everybody adjusting their expectations a little bit. Um, and I think that takes some time, but in both our cases, you know, I, I feel that's happening very quickly. All right, last question, Andy Larson. Clint, we got a presentation from Monty McCutcheon on some of the new rules changes as far as like guys jumping into, you know, kind of closeouts or arm bars on drives and that kind of thing. And I'm curious, you know, those are big plays. Those are three points where you wouldn't get, a, you know, so on. Does that change at all kind of how you approach coaching the perimeter? Or, I mean, kind of how do you look at those kind of, you know, relatively substantial changes? Mm -hmm. I think it's something you have to be very aware of and you have to watch. I know a couple of years ago um, they were talking about certain, there was a way that the game was really called from a defensive standpoint where they weren't going to allow certain things. And I thought we overreacted to it. You know, we got, it made us soft because we weren't as physical. We were, you know, to observe it. I think you have to kind of see how officials are calling it and understand how different, like adjust to the game. Um, I have no doubt that, you know, the point of emphasis will be emphasized. Um, the best way to, to try to teach that I think is through video. I don't know that it's, you know, you can, but I don't know how efficient it is to kind of create new drills and, new techniques prior to seeing, you know, how the game, what, what it's going to look like, you know, where is it on the continuum? Now there's a couple of them that are, you know, that are pretty obvious where they're, they're trying to, you know, eliminate some of those shooting fouls and, you know, give the defense a better opportunity. But I, I think, and I think it's going to be different for different players. So I, that, that's one of the ones that, you make your team aware of it, you show it to them, you talk about it, um, and then you experience it, and that process kind of continues. There'll be a game when we'll think it should have been a foul, and it's not, and you pull up the video, and it was or it wasn't. And so I, I, I think it's, it's an organic thing. You know, it's, it's not like they just legislate something, and it's a very clear, clear – that's a hard job those guys have. And – I've been a part of that discussion being on the competition committee and it's, there's gotta be at some point a rule for Monty. What was he wearing? Did you guys see him on zoom? <laughs> that, should, that should, that should be a rule right there. Okay. Good enough. All right. There you go. That's jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. We'll get Bowler's thoughts on everything we've heard and heard at uh, media day yesterday, coming up right around the corner, but joining us now in studio, our buddy Mike from any hour services and Mike, we love the tips we're getting today. We're talking furnaces yep. and uh, you talk all the time and we listen, of course, about changing your filter. It's very, very important. Yep. Uh, but outside of kind of that basic thing, what, uh, what, what else can we do to, to help things run a little bit better? Um, you know, we know the reason I bring up filters all the time is because it's a commonly overlooked thing. You know, we just get busy and forget to change it. But something that's even more overlooked than replacing, uh, you know, keeping a clean filter is actually just cleaning the furnace itself. If you think about, you know, the furnace is pulling air in from around it. And a lot of times these things are installed in attics, crawl spaces, uh, basements. There's a lot of dust, dirt in laundry rooms. There's right. a lot of lint in the air. Um, and so what you want to do is 
actually just keep the area around the furnace clean as well. Sweep it, vacuum it, uh, take a rag and, you know, you dust the furniture around the house, dust the furnace as well, uh, wipe it down with a wet rag or something. If you're comfortable uh, pulling off the doors of the furnace, that dust and things actually get inside and it can actually uh, collect on the blower fan, around the gas orifices and different things like that. If you uh, would want to know more about that, you can actually just tweet at me or message me on social platforms. I've got actually videos showing you things that you can go through and clean uh, yourself. But it's it's important to keep that thing clean. What are the benefits of the tune-up we're talking about today? Well, I think with the furnace, one of the big things is just the peace of mind. You know, it's a safety aspect. You've got uh, you know gas in the in the basement, and you're you're burning it to heat the home, and so you want to make sure that it's doing that properly. If the flame doesn't ignite, uh, do you know? Do you have the safety systems in place that it's going to shut the gas off so that it doesn't just keep pumping into the basement? So we go through and we check all the safety features that are built into the furnace to keep the thing safe. Um, a tune-up, if done properly, can correct minor issues and identify potential problems before they become a bigger one. It helps the thing run better, helps it run more efficiently. So um, there's there's lots of benefits to having the thing maintained. It's just like changing the oil in your car. Any large piece of equipment that you want to run better and last longer, regular maintenance is going to be good for it. And uh, the no breakdown guarantee is pretty cool. Yeah, you know, that's something that last year uh, we decided to add because we're always trying to figure out how do we add more value for this thing and how do we remove as much risk as possible for the customer. So that's just one more way that we stand behind what we do. We believe that we're going to come out and do such a thorough job that if your furnace breaks down at all, any time during the winter, you call us up, we'll send somebody out there for free to diagnose and figure out why, and we're going to give you the money back that you paid for the tune-up. And that's leads us right into the deal tonight. Normally, we charge $99 to go through and tune up the furnace and do all the things that we need to do. Uh, tonight, you're going to be able to lock in a $70 savings and get it done for only $29, and that price includes the no-breakdown guarantee. You just call up, answer a couple questions, pick a time that works best for you, and you've locked in the savings. It is that easy. All right. Call any hour services right now. Save 70 bucks on a comprehensive furnace tune-up with their no-breakdown guarantee. $99 value, only $29. bucks. you got to call during the show to get the deal. Don't have to have them come out today. Correct. Just get on the schedule today. 801-443-7400. 801-443-7400. Or go online, anyhourservices.com. He is the world-famous Mike. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> Thanks. All right. We'll have Bowler coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.